This week on the World of CONCACAF podcast, we talk about qualification for the CONCACAF W Championship, and we head to the Dominican Republic all this week on the World of CONCACAF. All right, welcome to the World of CONCACAF podcast. I'm Eric Schmitz. I'm Donald. I'm not usually you hear Johnson's voice, but it's just me. Yeah, yeah, it's just Donald today. It's Donald and I uh, steering the ship. Jonathan had some scheduling conflicts, but we did not want it to get in the way of this beautiful, beautiful podcast. Uh, we need to get you your content, and CONCACAF never stops, so we can't stop either. He says he loves you, though. All of you out there. He says he loves you as we yeah. do. Yeah, we love you. We love all of you listening right now, but we especially love all of you listening who have subscribed to our Patreon. Uh, if you haven't already gone to patreon.com slash and subscribe, you f- should probably do that. I do want to salute two of our new subscribers. Uh, Jeremiah Brown, our dear friend, Jeremiah. He signed Let's up. Go. He's, 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 he's in. <laughs> And uh, someone going by Buffalo Low Expectations, like Buffa and Low Expectations. Um, There's a friend of mine. <laughs> Shout out to the SPH, uh, one of my buddies um, who's trying to be clever. But um, yeah, appreciate all of the support. Helps this podcast go. Eric, before we get into the meat of what we're you know here to discuss, which is CONCAP, I think between us, I think we're, we're both, both human beings and we recognize there's a lot of dumb shit and, and just absolutely scary shit going on right now in the world. So mm-hmm. I want to recognize that that is happening. We, we, you know, when we look at uh, the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, you may think, well, that doesn't tie into CONCACAF, but there are CONCACAF players who play in the league. We do have some Canadians that play in the league. There is one American at least that plays in a league in Obviously, they are worried about things other than soccer right now. So I just want to wish everyone in the Ukraine well. Um, it's a terrible situation what's going on. And, you know, we're all with you. Yeah. All power to the people of Ukraine uh, for defending their country. Um, just the stuff coming out from what's going on over there. Just the absolute, like, insanely proud behavior of the ukrainians of standing up and everyone pitching in to defend their home which is absolutely incredible uh to see i can't imagine having that good of a reaction um under the circumstances and it it does supersede any of the nonsense we talk about it on this podcast but i do want to like mention like we're recording on monday the 28th uh, today, FIFA kicked Russia out of World Cup qualifying. Um, obviously, a well-warranted, and the fact it took them this long to do it, um, kind of disappointing. Uh, but even real-world stuff can have a massive impact on the nonsense we talk about because, I mean, It sucks. All of it sucks, but we're going to yeah. try to have some fun here. Yeah, I will say real quick, uh, I mean, U.S. soccer was, I think, the first non-UEFA team to or federation to say they weren't going to play Russia in any competition. Now everybody's thinking, okay, well, that's very performative, and they weren't scheduled to play Russia in any competition coming up, but it does put pressure on FIFA to do the right thing and um, and UEFA to do the right thing. So if, if being a part of that, you know, I, I, I supported that statement and if being a part of that meant that it forced FIFA and UEFA to get off their asses and do the right thing, mm-hmm. then that's a step in the right direction. So yes, it did finally happen, but it took a lot of people having to kind of push them for it to happen. And, and that shouldn't be. Yeah, no. So we can struggle to find the words to accurately talk about it, but so we'll try to stay We'll try to stay out of the geopolitics and uh, stick to the soccer. Um, and we do have some soccer and we do have stuff going on that 
is soccer related. <laughs> so yeah. let's go to the let's go right to the CONCACAF newswire and get back into the CONCACAF glory that we try to celebrate here on the podcast. Uh, first up, CONCACAF Champions League started this month. Uh, Donald, what dumb shit has happened so far in the region's biggest club competition? Yeah, so let's just go through. We, we've had the round of 16 is completed. We now know who will be in the quarterfinals, which, uh, as you mentioned, recording on the last day of February, uh, they start next week, uh, the quarterfinals. So let's take a look at who advanced. Uh, first off, uh, Club Leon beat Guastatoya, and they will face the Seattle Sounders in the quarterfinals who took out Motagua. So uh, that should be a pretty good matchup uh, between Leon and Seattle. NYCFC, first first dumb shit. Um, NYCFC <laughs> beat Santos de uh, Guapiles, including they had to play their home match at Bank of California Stadium, which, yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen, is not in New York City. It's not even in the area. It's on the other side of the country in L.A. And they have uh, they, they eventually like they I don't I know why they did it, because they opened up MLS in LA against the galaxy and they want to stay on the West coast, but guys, that was dumb. play close to your home base. Um, but they will once again, have to play another home match away from home. They will be playing closer to home though, at Rensselaer field in East Hartford, Connecticut in the quarterfinals, because CONCACAF has said that Yankee stadium and city field, two of the other stadiums that they use are not suitable for hosting soccer matches. So I wonder why I wonder uh, why they're not suitable because they're fucking baseball stadiums. They're baseball. So I mean it probably means that NYCFC should just build itself a new stadium. That, I mean, that's kind of where we're at right now. Uh yeah. where we've always been at with them. But um, but yes, they are in the quarterfinals. They will take on Communicaciones. And I want to bring you in because they took out the Colorado Rapids and it was an epic penalty shootout in Colorado in the snow, and usually that would lend to Colorado having the upper hand, but they did not in this penalty shootout. Yeah. I mean, if you're, this is a club from Guatemala going into Colorado at elevation in, you know, it's winter, you know, snow, they, they were able to grind it out and keep it a one goal game. So Comunicaciones had won the first leg in Guatemala, one nil Colorado second leg. They score early. I was really hoping I had a minus one and a half. So, you know, I was really hoping for that second goal. Um, <laughs> but Colorado can only get a 1-0 win in regular time. And they go to penalties. And it's snowing. Like, they have to clear off the clear off the penalty area so they can take these kicks. And Colorado doesn't get it done. Like, ugh, it's very frustrating for them. Very frustrating for MLS because that would have been – an all MLS quarterfinal. So you're guaranteeing a team into the semis. Now New York city FC has to try to beat them at whatever field they're queue up the brass bonanza, you know, they better <laughs> bury these guys. Yeah. Um, and funny thing, Colorado is supposed to be hosting a game in, in league play this weekend. And it will also have snow. Um, so <laughs> It would have been a, it would have been a great sight to see, but alas, they are out. Communicaciones is through. Uh, I want to get to the other kind of uh, I, I won't call it I'll call it dumb, but not for the teams, more for Concacaf. Uh, Pumas beat Saprissa, um, and they will face the New England Revolution in the quarterfinals. The New England Revolution advanced via forfeit over Cavalli, which is a Haitian club. Uh, the reason why is that the Haitian club could not secure visas to travel to the United States for the first leg. So since they knew they were going to take the forfeit in the home leg or in the, in the, in the leg at new England, they decided to withdraw from the tournament altogether. Um, and I don't know about you, but I don't like this because it's one thing to have COVID tests, hold things up. And I, I understand that in the art of, you know, player safety and fan safety, but CONCACAF really needs to work with these member nations to get these required visas processed so that these matches can be played. This should not have happened where, a team has to forfeit because they can't enter the country for the simple reason of they just didn't get paperwork in on time. We saw that in the, uh, we saw that in the gold cup prelims yeah. last year. And then we saw uh -huh. it again in the gold cup last year. So mm -hmm. this is something that CONCACAF really has to work on. Yeah. They got to start. I mean, this 
falls on the U.S. government for not getting this done. And I'm fairly confident that the U.S. government is not trying to pull games to try to get MLS clubs advantages in CONCACAF Champions League. But it's very frustrating because a team like Kavali, I mean, you're representing your nation. You're representing Haiti in this big competition. You played your way into this and did not even get to play because I don't know if it falls on the club not getting the paperwork done correctly. I don't know if it falls on the the U.S. government just not rejecting too many of the players. It's very frustrating that these things happen. But this is also very CONCACAF and, like, I mean, lean into what you are. This whole tournament's nonsense, this whole region's nonsense, you know. Why would you have a a fully played tournament when you can have a forfeit in the round of 16? Right, and it's not like we had, like, oh, my goodness, this game's in a week. What are we going to do? We knew what this game was going to be, like, a month or so ago, two months ago, whatever it was. We knew who these teams were going to be. We knew where they had to go. And CONCACAF needs, and they're based in Miami. CONCACAF should have people here that can guide teams like this through the process because Lord knows the Haitian club doesn't, you know, they have other stuff to deal with and they have logistics that they have to work out that they're not used to. This is where CONCACAF should have someone on staff to say, hey, let me guide you through the the red tapes that you can focus on getting to the game and the other, you know, big logistics that you have to worry about. So uh, that's just, I mean, it's great for New England, obviously. Uh, but it, you know, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth that they didn't get to play. That the Haitian club, who, as you said, played their way into this tournament, did not get a chance to represent their country in in this uh, tournament. But um, to round out the round of sixteen, uh, Montreal takes out Santos Laguna. That's probably the upset of the round, and mm-hmm. they will take on Cruz Azul in the quarterfinals. Cruz Azul defeated fellow Canadian team Forge FC, who actually got a goal at the Azteca. Um, incredible, which is absolutely incredible. incredible. The, the vibes are real for that one. Um, but yes, it will be Cruz Azul versus CF Club de Foot Montreal in the round of 16. Yeah, the Club de Foot they put on a hell of a performance in that second leg. I did watch some of that. Um, they earned that scoreline and they earned that win. And and that game was delayed by a day because they were supposed to play in Olympic Stadium and there was snow in the forecast. So mm-hmm. Once there's any snow in the forecast, they don't trust the roof to not collapse. <laughs> so they decided to push push the day back, and I guess that gave Montreal the upper hand. I mean, it got them through. It got them through. So first, the round of 16, the CONCACAF Champions League is complete. Looking forward to the quarterfinals. Those will be taking place uh, the first legs, the March 10th, 8th through 10th, and second legs, March 15th to 17th, right before the upcoming FIFA international break. And that FIFA international break in March, uh, obviously the wrapping up of World Cup qualifying in CONCACAF, uh, some major injury issues for the U.S. national team. Uh, our next item in the newswire is that everything is terrible for the U.S. right now. Um Giovanni Reyna, who had been injured in the September World Cup qualifier in El Salvador, uh, he had missed five months with that thigh injury, it was a hamstring, uh, was hurt in his first start with Borussia Dortmund uh, against Borussia Mönchengladbach over in that Bundesliga over there. Uh, had to leave the game with injury, in tears, everyone assuming the worst, but it appears he'll be out a couple weeks with a hamstring injury. He has been quoted as saying he is pretty positive that he'll be back prior to the March window. So it'll be interesting to see if the U.S. gets him back uh, because they are also going to be missing a key player as Weston McKinney uh, is out, was injured in a UEFA Champions League match against Villarreal. Uh, He will be out at least eight weeks with fractured metatarsals. He will miss the entire March window, and that is rough for the U S national team Donald, your thoughts on uh, McKenney's injury. Yeah. Um, I, I don't say this with hyperbole. I think Wes McKinney was playing like one of the top 10 midfielders on the planet the last like couple months. So this is a really huge blow because not only was he playing so well, he's playing the best soccer of his career. He's 
probably the one guy on the team that the U.S. doesn't have a direct replacement for. And that's probably the backbreaker is, yeah, you can replace him with some guys, but you're not going to be having the same shape. You're not going to have the same dynamic guy in the midfield, and you're not going to have the same, you know, just kind of way style of play because he's not there. So um, that is unfortunate. And hopefully the U.S. has an answer for that because they're entering the most important window that they've had. We've talked about it the entire time two road games, especially at places they've never won during qualifying before. So that would be where, you know, McKinney would have really helped. But on the Reina side, glad to see that it's not uh, as serious as one's thought and really hoping that he can come back because uh, the U.S. could really need him uh, in March. Yeah. Foreshadowing, we might be talking about this more later in the podcast. Um, foreshadowing. Alert. Um, also on the injury front, uh, U.S. potentially without some of their keepers. Um, Matt Turner has been out since the March window uh, with an injury he suffered in the U.S. World Cup qualifier against Honduras in Minnesota. I'm not, I almost said Minneapolis, but I know the stadium is in St. Paul, so I'm coming correct there. Um, and then outside of the U.S., um, Chucky Lozano who was hurt. Uh, he dislocated his shoulder against Panama in that January window. He is expected to be back prior to this upcoming international break. Um, he has not played for Napoli since that uh, injury. One other note for Canada, Kyle Lahren has actually missed the last few games with a thigh strain for Besiktas, and um, his status is kind of unclear. So lots of concern with some very important games coming up. So that is your newswire, your injury report. We should get it like an injury report, like segment, like have it sponsored or something like that. I, I, I'd, I'd rather not because I'd rather there not be injuries because I want everybody at yeah. their best. But yeah. yes, we probably, unfortunately, we probably do need a sponsor for it. So if you would like to sponsor the injury report at PodkaCalf on, on, uh, on Twitter, Instagram, DM us. <laughs> You're not above yeah. being bribed for our injury reports. Yes. The price is lower than you would think. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Let's go to scoreboard watch. Um, the big thing we want to talk about, and we already talked about CONCACAF Champions League. I guess I could have fallen under scoreboard watch, but it was, we've talked about the dumb shit more than the scores. Um, CONCACAF W Championships, the all-new women's soccer competition uh, in CONCACAF for the region. Right now we are in qualification. Uh, for the CONCACAFW Championship, which will be held this summer in Mexico. They announced Monterey as the um, site for the tournament. And that tournament will be qualifying for not only the 2023 Women's World Cup, not only the next CONCACAF Women's Gold Cup, which is now a thing, but also the 2024 Summer Olympics. Uh, all of those tournaments the qualification will be taking place in this CONCACAF W championship tournament. So we're the, for the qualifying, we are now qualifying for the teams to get into the qualifying. <laughs> um, so in the CONCACAF W championship qualification, we've got groups of four teams. Uh, actually it's groups of five teams. Am I correct? Um, there's the one window that took place February 16th to 22nd window two will be April 6th to 12th. And that's for this summer's tournament. Now, before we get to results, I do have a bone to pick. And it is with the following nation CONCACAF member teams. If I read your name right now, I want you to listen to me. Bahamas, Bonaire, French Guiana, Guadeloupe, Martinique, Montserrat, St. Lucia, St. Martin and St. Martin. If I just read your name, you didn't enter the tournament, which is kind of bullshit. Get your shit together. We need a women's squad participating in this stuff. I will defend some of these countries, Bonaire, French Guiana, Guadeloupe, Martinique, and the two St. Martins. They're not eligible for the World Cup or the Olympics. They're not in FIFA. I get that you got nothing to qualify for, but you got to have a team to play games. It's kind of it's kind of shitty that if you're gonna 
have a men's team going into the gold cup. You don't have, you got to have a women's team trying to get into the women's gold cup. Donald, your thoughts on these losers. Yeah, it's weird, right? Like they technically are eligible to qualify for the Olympics because the Olympics has different nations than FIFA does. Um, but it, it, the only real difference that you'll see is the great Britain team in the Olympics versus, you know, the four nations, but over here, like these islands could definitely have competed to qualify for the Olympics. They just wouldn't have qualified for the world cup. And we've talked about St. Martin uh, on a previous episode and just how difficult it's been for them to get their women's team together. So I also recognize that, but that's what these tournaments are for. Yeah. They're exactly. for testing where you are and getting in, uh, hopefully getting the contacts and the resources available so that you can play some competitive matches and keep your teams together. So uh, let's hope that, this is just a one-off occurrence and that these teams are able to use this opportunity to start putting resources into their team. But it, it does, it's very unfortunate that they're not a part of this. The biggest challenge for these women's programs is getting them games. And these are games of importance that could help you build that program. And so many of these CONCACAF nations are still at the ground level building up their women's national team program that, and not participating is just getting you further left behind. And with the expanding World Cup, you're gonna need you're gonna have the opportunities to be successful, but you gotta play. You gotta play. I think games. that's the that's the key right there, right? Uh, and obviously, this doesn't go for the countries that aren't a part or cannot be a part of the World Cup. But for the rest of them, yeah, it's an expanded field, which means you have expanded opportunities to be a part of something, right? Like, like you said, this tournament qualifies you for three tournaments. You could qualify for three tournaments in one, in one shot. Put all your nuts in this basket and see what happens. And I, I think it's, again, I think they may have felt they're not at that point. And hopefully as this goes along, they keep continuing to develop it and put some money into finding, uh, you know, players that will help move their programs forward. Yeah. So just a quick recap of what the format is for this whole CONCACAFW championship. They gave two teams an automatic buy into like the final round in June. That's Canada and the United States. They don't get to play in this. They don't get any beautiful CONCACAF away qualifiers. Um, really unfortunate as a fan. Donald's shaking his head right now. We're, we're not happy about it. So those two automatically go through and the six group winners from the qualification round, which we are now halfway through the six group winners will advance to the June tournament where the top two of each group, the eight teams would be split into two groups, top two in each group, move on to the knockout phase and automatically qualify for the 2023 women's world cup. So once you get to the summer, it's pretty much you need, two results to get you into the world cup. So there's a lot of benefit uh, for having a strong qualification round. So we'll just go group by group quickly and let you know where the teams are sitting um, in almost every one of these scenarios, the first place team and the second place team will be meeting on the final match day um, to qualify as the one group winner in April. So Group A, Mexico leading the way, six points, plus 17 goal difference. Puerto Rico in second with six points and a plus 13 goal difference. Again, they will meet in April, probably for the title of the group to move on. Um, Suriname also still alive with three points. Antigua and Barbuda and Anguilla already eliminated. Group B, Guatemala first place, six points, plus 15 goal difference. Costa Rica second, six points, plus 13 goal difference. So burying these smaller teams matters. Um, St. Kitts and Nevis sitting in third on three points. Curacao and the U.S. Virgin Islands eliminated. Group C, Dominican Republic sitting first place, six points, plus 13 goal difference. Jamaica second place, six points, plus nine goal difference. Third place, Bermuda, three points, plus two goal difference. And Cayman Islands and Grenada already eliminated. Group D, Panama, first place, six points, plus 13 goal difference. El Salvador, second place, plus six points, plus 12 goal difference. 
Barbados, third place. Three points, minus three goal difference. Already eliminated Aruba and Belize. Group E, Cuba, first place, six points, plus 17 goal difference. Second place, or technically tied, Haiti, six points, plus 17 goal difference. I'll get to these goal differences in a second. Uh, Honduras is sitting in third with three points, minus two goal difference, and St. Vincent and the Grenadines, shout out Vince the Heat, and British Virgin Islands are eliminated at zero points. I do want to point out goal difference because Cuba dropped a 14-0 result on British Virgin Islands, and Haiti dropped an 11-0 result on St. Vincent and the Grenadines. We saw some blowouts in this, and those nothing goals, bigger than in Group F. Get to Group F. There's one. We're, that's... we're getting there. We're getting there. So the goals definitely matter, no matter how you score them. So now we get to Group F. First place, Guyana, six points plus eleven goal difference. Second place, Trinidad and Tobago, six points plus three goal difference. Nicaragua. Three points in third place, plus 18 goal difference with Dominica and the Turks and Caicos Islands already eliminated. Nicaragua on February 22nd dropped a 19-0 result on the Turks. And I want to shout out uh, Yasina Flores had six goals for Nicaragua. Great performance. But I do want to say Jackie Gilday, uh, Nicaraguan, Binfielder, she plays for UCLA. It, it was 17 nothing, and she had goals in the 90th and the 90 plus one <laughs> to make it 19 nothing. So, you know what? Go on, Jackie, get your goals. But 19 and, nothing. And the funny I thing mean, is, they responded to that after losing to Trinidad and Tobago two to one five days before. So, like, it, it's they basically set this up where the top teams in the group played the weaker teams in the group in an effort to kind of eliminate them from competition before the April window. But this was the one that was the outlier because again, Nicaragua uh, lost to one uh, and then they just go ahead and just, just absolutely annihilate Turks and Caicos, poor Turks and Caicos. Yeah. The Turks didn't deserve that. They're beautiful. Um, but they're also now eliminated. So group F's really the only one that's kind of interesting going into April Everyone else, you're kind of just waiting for that last match day where the one and two teams are going to play each other for a spot in June's competition in Monterey. So we went over these CONCACAF W championships. I do want to focus on uh, the Group C leader, and they are the subject of our CONCACAF laser focus, the Dominican Republic. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to talk about the Dominican Republic. for CONCACAF laser focus and we are going to laser focus our way to the Dominican Republic um really and it is the most visited destination in the Caribbean Donald have you been there of course I ask you just as you're taking a sip of water like I have not been there this is one of the few that I I hoped I hope to change that this year but I have not yet been to the DR I have not been to the DR either so we are we are students via studying via the internet um looking forward to knocking that off the list it looks wonderful so just a quick country history of the dominican republic dominican republic it occupies the east side of hispaniola um the one of the largest islands in the caribbean um they are five eight the like the eastern five eighths of the island and the other side of the island is haiti so with St. Martin and Hispaniola, those are the two countries in the Caribbean where it's like, it's the island is two different countries. Very interesting. We did not plan to talk about them consecutively like this or close to consecutively. 
just happened to be there. I do want to point out that Dominican Republic is the subject of our laser focus, thanks to a poll that we ran with our patrons. So if you sign up on patreon.com slash podcast, you could decide who we're talking about on this podcast. Absolutely. And shout out to everybody who uh, chimed in with the votes. We, we honestly were indifferent as to which one we could do. We knew we wanted to do it in Island. Uh, and we're like, let's just throw three islands up there and see what happens. And uh, I know a lot of you had other picks, but don't worry. We're going to get to all of them. Yes. Very, very soon. We got, we're doing every country in CONCACAF at some point. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. All right. So back to the Dominican. Just some brief history about the country. Um, like we've discussed with many of these Caribbean islands, um, there was a native population there that was doing just fine up until some asshole showed up from Europe. And in this case, it's the OG. It is Christopher Columbus rolled in in 1492. Um, and Santo Domingo, who, which is now the capital of the, of the country, uh, it's actually the first permanent European settlement in the Americas. Uh, Spain had a presence there for centuries. Um, in 1697, Spain actually recognized France uh, as the holder of the western half of the island, which we'll probably discuss more when we get to the Haiti laser focus. Um, but Spain kind of held down their uh, eastern side. The Dominican declared independence in 1821, and the next year it was annexed by Haiti in 1822. They, there were, there's been a lot of fighting over this land over the last few centuries. Um, Dominican Republic had declared their independence again in 1844. There's been civil wars. Spain tried coming back and getting involved. The U.S., like they do, got involved. But right now, Dominican, they're their own country. They have a representative democracy. Things seem to be somewhat stable there. Uh, Dominican's got one of the biggest economies in the entire region. Um, and as we mentioned, most visited destination in the Caribbean. As far as other superlatives for the Caribbean, they've also got the tallest point. Um, uh, Pico Duarte is the tallest mountain in the Caribbean. And the largest lake is Lake Enriquillo. Yes, buys the water. Um, Santo Domingo, the capital, is also home to Suidad Colonial, which is a World Heritage Site. It's like the original um, settlement, like the remnants of that, because obviously it's been like 700 years since people showed up. Um, major tourist sites that you might be aware of, uh, Punta Cana might sound familiar um porto plata uh another hot spot down there but they've got a very span very spanish-speaking island they've got a very spanish-centric culture uh donald what do you know about their culture yeah well let's start with santo domingo santo domingo uh, as you mentioned was it's kind of like the first settlement on the island and has become the largest metro area in the caribbean by population over 3.6 million people live in and around Santo Domingo. So it's a very, very large city uh, with a lot of different areas. They kind of split them up into like quadrants uh, and people really gravitate towards there, as you mentioned, uh, it being the, you know, just the most populous. Uh, But also the Dominican Republic has the largest economy in the Caribbean and Central America, according to the U.S. Treasury. So, and it's the seventh largest in Latin America. So a lot of you know money comes through here again. A lot of tourism dollars, but just it has become one of the more central business places in all of North America, and Central America, and the Caribbean. So Dominican Republic very very important for a lot of people here. Uh, their national sport is baseball, and the, they also have basketball and volleyball that are currently popular as well. And then also football. Football is listed as their fourth largest or fourth most populous sport. I will talk a little bit about the food before we get to the football. Um, like you said, they have a lot of Spanish influences in their food, but also some African Taino, which is the, the local indigenous people. 
mm-hmm. and also Middle Eastern influences. But the biggest influence from Spain is that they have what is the greatest thing in the world, and that is la comida. That is lunch. <laughs> lunch is the biggest meal and the most important meal of the day. Usually in Spain, it's followed by siesta, which is something that the entire world should adopt. Understandable. Um, understandable. Um, but here they call it, it's their national dish. They call it la bandera or the flag. It's actually white beans, red beans, and, and, and I'm sorry, white rice, red beans, and then some sort of meat, usually beef, chicken, pork, or fish. But what Dominicans eat as their protein depends on where they live. If they're more inland or in the mountain dwellers, they eat a lot of pork. They, a lot of pigs are, are raised as cattle uh, around the island, so they choose to eat a lot of pork. On the coasts and in fishing villages, of course, they prefer seafood. So uh, it's very interesting to see. But the national dish, La Bandera, white beans, red, uh, white rice, red beans, and some sort of meat to kind of symbolize the flag of the Dominican Republic. I do want to shout out the main beer, um, Presidente. Uh, Presidente. It's a brand of Pilsner beer um, by the national uh, Cerveceria. Of, and uh, their national rum is Brugal, which is very unique in the sense that the bottles usually come with some sort of netting around it. Uh, so uh-huh. you've probably seen it in the stores, but the netting is obviously to catch your attention. If you see the netting, it's definitely Brugal. Um, and that is the national rum of the island. Yes. So now we've talked about the important stuff. We talked about the rum. We talked about the beer. We've talked about the food. Let's talk some soccer. What's the soccer vibe like in the DR? So the Dominican Football Federation was founded in 1953. It joined FIFA in 1959. Now, we'll talk, obviously, about the national teams in a second, but I want to talk about the domestic pyramid on the men's side. There is, uh, right as of right now, no true women's league. But on the men's side, the domestic pyramid is just a square or a circle or you know, a, one straight line because there is no pyramid. They used to have the Premier Division de República Dominicana as the top league in the nation. It was founded in 1970 and it eventually folded in 2015. In its place rose the Liga Dominicana de Football, which uh, it now has 12 teams in the league. There's also a cup competition, the Copa Dominicana de Football. Uh, but yes, it was kind of a Premier League type of deal where they had the first division and then all of a sudden from that sprouted a new league. Uh, but that is the only league that they have as of right now in the Dominican Republic. Okay. So we got, we got a league. That's good. Um, women's national team. We did mention already going over the CONCAV W championships. They're sitting first place in their group right now, which is a great step forward for the program. Uh, the program currently ranked um, 113th in the world in the latest FIFA rankings. Uh, head coach is Benny Rubido, the uh, Spaniard. They don't have a lot of tournament success to go on. Um, they've never qualified for a Women's World Cup, never qualified for a Summer Olympics. Uh, the W the Women's Championship, uh, they've never gotten past the qualification round in any of the forms of the CONCACAF tournament. Arguably, their best achievement has been the 2014 Women's Caribbean Cup. Uh, they, in the first round, they went one win, one loss. Unfortunately, it was not enough to get out of the first round. Um, but the team seems to be playing well. Uh, they've actually had multiple, um, friendlies in the last year and a half leading up to the CONCACAFW championship qualifying. Um, they actually, they had a, set with Bolivia in October. Uh, they had one win, one loss. They also played a set against Trinidad and Tobago in November, one win, one loss. And they opened up W championship qualifying with a 9-0 win over Grenada and a 4-0 win over the Cayman Islands. So they're in a very good spot to be competitive and fight Jamaica for that um, group first place spot um, to get through. But the team you look at the roster and it's a good mix of people playing all over the world. Honestly, a good chunk of them are American college players. Um, Their top scorer, Alyssa Oviedo, who had four goals in their game against 
um, Grenada. She is actually a Vermont catamount. Um, she's playing uh, up at University of Vermont. Um, other schools, Monmouth, Delaware State, Hofstra, Yale. They've got these American college players who are really helping build up the program. And with a lot of these smaller countries, you would like to see that they're finding talent outside of their own borders at the time. Um, so we'll see what happens in April with the program, but it seems to be on the way up. Obviously two big results. They should get a nice boost in the next FIFA rankings that come out. Um, that's the women's side on the men's side, Donald, what do we got going on? Well, it's funny. You mentioned all of that and just how they've been kind of steadily improving. Where are they ranked in the world? The women's team. They are ranked 113th. Yeah. So the men's side is not doing better than that. They are ranked 156th in the world right now. Uh, their highest ranking was in October 2013, 78th, and they've been as low as 190th back in December 2009. So they've been steadily trying to creep up. They got up there for a little bit and then crashed back down to earth. Uh, but they've had a big defeat. Uh, or I'm sorry, their biggest defeat ever. And we mentioned it earlier about how on the women's side in the uh, CONCACAF W Championship, there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, lots to zeros, right? Those yeah. type of scores. What do yeah. you think the biggest defeat was for the Dominican Republic's men team? I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing double digits. So I don't know. 14, nothing. 17 to nothing. They uh, have lost 17 to nothing. Who did the British it? Virgin Islands back in October, 2010. Again, back at where they're at their lowest. Wait, British Virgin British, Islands is not good. The British Virgin <laughs> Islands beat them 17, nothing. Yes, they are not good. So um, oh at least they weren't, but they're obviously steadily trying to improve. I'll explain about that in a second. Um, so their first matches were in 1967. They played Haiti, uh, which makes sense, in a two-legged mm -hmm. qualifier for uh, the 1968 Summer Olympics, uh, and they did not score in those. They lost by 14-0 aggregate. They eventually got their first win the following year, which was a 5-0 win over Puerto Rico. So, they, I mean, they had a lot of ebbs and flows in their history. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. They've never made a World Cup. But I think we saw a lot of promise from them just last year during World Cup qualification. They almost, as you remember, they almost actually made it out of the first round. They were in a position to advance entering the final match day against Panama, and they were on the road to Panama and ended up losing 3-0. But uh, I think they've showed a lot of improvement. We talked about it on this podcast as we were just getting started about how they seem to rise to the challenge and really embraced the opportunity, uh, but it does not, uh, they're not in the world cup and maybe with the expanded world cup, they have a chance to get better and, and get back on that stage. They haven't played in the gold cup either. They've played in a couple of editions of the CFU Caribbean cup when it was around. Uh, also they hosted the Pan Am games in 2003. So they've played in a couple of editions of that, but they are in league B of the nation's league and they have a chance to really make some noise in the greatest tournament in the world. And they're going to do that with a new coach because they just got a new coach last week, uh, a Spaniard again. Uh, so both the men's and women's national teams are led by Spaniards at this point. This one in Yaki Bia Jarogwe, who was an assistant at Ibar before being hired. He's a, he played almost his entire career in Spain before becoming an assistant coach, uh, was at Levante for a year before moving to Ibar. And now he'll be tasked with taking the Dominican Republic to the next level. So an interesting challenge for a coach. I believe it's his first ever head coaching position. Uh, so it'll be an interesting challenge for him to try and get the, the Dominican Republic. And obviously their goal probably will be to try and get that bump up to league. A. Yeah. Um, lots of opportunity for a nation like the Dominican Republic and CONCACAF nations league. Um, well, I think that's a good picture of what we've got. Um, with our laser focus. I think it's time for real team or fake team. I think it is. All right. So real team or fake team. I am up to bat today. Um, I want to say this is not the first time that I've been up and Jonathan hasn't been here. Oh, it's possible. To, it's possible. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure one of my other times. I, I think left. I got these for you. I think All I right. got. So as so Donald's got six teams, I got to tell I got to call them whether they're real or fake. Go ahead. All right. So the, the great thing about this is that um, some of these teams 
are going to be fake and you're going to, uh, I'm going to try and stump you, but I'm going to start with this team. Okay. Atletico San Cristobal. That's fake. Atletico San Cristobal is a real team. <sighs> Atletico San Cristobal would be St. Christopher Columbus um, or St. Christopher. So yes, that is a real team. They are in the uh, Liga Dominicana de Football. See, that's one of the ones where it's like, it sounds like too normal. It's like, mm-hmm. this is CONCACAF. I feel like it was like reverse psychology. It's like, oh, they made this shit up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, yeah. that's a great start. Great start for me. Okay, so the next one is O&MFC. O, letter O, ampersand, letter M, FC. That's fake. That is also a real team. Uh, oh they represent God. the Universidad Organacion, Organización E Metodo, which is a university in, uh, in the Dominican Republic. So you are 0 for 2 right now. I feel like this right. is like one of those multiple choice tests where all of a sudden you just have to answer C for all of them. Because C, answer C, yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So your third team. Are you ready? Your yeah. third team is Barcelona Atletico. That's fake. Barcelona Atletico is also a real team. <laughs> I am not shit? making this up. I want to comment on this because... Yes, they took two teams that are rivals in Spain and made them a team of their own. And I think it's stupid because I hate Barcelona and I hate Atleti. Why they made this a team, I don't know. This is like Atletico Ottawa. Like, get this out of my face. This is wrong. Uh, I, I might, I, I'm inclined to maybe give you partial credit for this, but no, you, you got this wrong. It's fake. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's real. It's real. Um, so you are 0 for 3 right now. Jesus. Now, <laughs> the next one is Atletico Mocha. Can you spell it? Uh, Mocha is M-O-C-A. That's real. That is a fake team. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> um, yes, that is a fake team. Athletic- Mocha is a city, is a real city, but there is no Atletico there. They do have a Mocha FC, but not Atletico. Jonathan so you is never going to shut up. Jonathan is never oh, man. Shut up yeah, this. I can't wait for him to listen to this. Um, so the Excellent. next one I have for you, and I'm going to, I'm going to, it's an acronym. So I'm going to spell it out and I'm going to say what it means. Yeah. Um, USCPC FC. So that is Universidad Santa Cruz del Punta Cana FC. That's real. That is a fake team. I spent all day trying to come up with some acronym and that is also <laughs> fake. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. I quit. So, I quit. Uh, so Eric, you're over five, um, and I'm really pulling for you on this last one. But I, I'm canceling the podcast. I don't know. I don't We're, know. I'm pulling I, this off Spotify. You haven't shown me that you are about this life for the Dominican Republic, but I, I, I'm really ho- hoping you get this last. No, one. see, you know what this shows? I definitely was paying attention to not spoil it in research. Yes. No, that's good. That's good. But yeah. the problem is, and, and here's the thing. I'm going to the explain. Problem is the problem is I'm ones. fucking 0 for 5 right now. <laughs> You're 0 for 5. So we're going to go to the last one. The last one is Inter RD, capital R, capital D, also known as Inter de Bayaguana FC. That's real. Inter RD is a real team. Yes, that is one of 12 oh. in... In the Liga Dominicana. So you were one for six. Um, but I want to tell you some of the te- some of the names and you'll ex- Yeah, you'll give me the cutting room floor here. Yeah. So the cutting room floor, there's CBIO FC, um, okay. which is actually one of the most uh successful teams in the league. Uh Jarabacoa FC. I told you there was a Mocha FC. There was mm-hmm. Atlantico FC, there was okay. Atletico Pantoja or Pantoja, Atletico Vega Real. And Atletico San Francisco. So that's why I included a lot of Atleticos in there because there honestly, a of- there's a lot of them in there. So, um, and there was also, again, a lot of stupid things like Barcelona Atletico, which yeah. I think is dumb. So they all sound so basically sound made up. Yes. Like and they, they are, they are all basic. And I didn't, again, in this, I didn't include any teams that used to exist because um, there were some cool names that did exist. And I didn't want to confuse you. By saying they they were once were real but aren't not, aren't anymore, 
So I left those on the cutting room floor as well. Well, I appreciate you coming, coming strong on this one. <laughs> I clearly was not up to the task. See, I'm see, next time it's going to be me. and I'm going to go zero for six. That's how it's going to work. You're just going to, you're just going to take your vengeance out. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Thank you, Donald. Uh, thank you to the Dominicans for making this uh, so difficult on me. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, before we go, before we wrap up, let's do uh, postcards to the pod. So let's we put out put a call out on Twitter um, for some listener questions, and we got some good ones. So we're going to start off with Stefan Jordan. Uh, big fan of the pod. Really appreciate all the feedback. Uh, he says, with with Weston McKinney out for the foreseeable future, A, what are the chances the U.S. misses the World Cup? And B, who is the player most likely to fill his role? Uh, start, let's kind of focus on A. Um, do you want to go first? Yeah, so when it comes to A, I mean, here's the scenario. The U.S., has a magic number of five points to clinch top four. They have a magic number of six points to clinch top three. Obviously we want top three. Having said that, I think that was always going to be difficult. We always said that this window was going to be the most difficult because as I mentioned before, we're going to Mexico, we're going to Costa Rica. Those are two places that the U S has never won during qualifying. They have taken two draws the last two times at the Azteca, but they have not won a game. And in this window, three points, are going to be very crucial at one of those ventures or one of those joints. Um, it's a lot more difficult without Weston McKinney. Cause like I said, I think he's the most indispensable player that the U S has. And I think there's no person on the, in the player pool that directly replaces him in all facets of his game. And so I think that is the real issue face of the United States is how are they going to play without him? What kind of shape are they going to take? And I think there's guys that, uh, I, I'll defer to you to start on who who we who you think the United States kind of brings in to replace him. Uh, but I do think there are different ways they can go, but it just changes the dynamic of how they play as a team. Yeah. And I think changing the dynamic of how they play as a team is kind of the most nerve wracking part of that. Um, because McKenney is a dominant player. As you said earlier, he's like playing like a world top 10 midfielder and to replace him, you're, replacing him with a lesser piece that's going to play differently. Um, whether that's break, putting Kellen Acosta there just for his conca-calfing abilities, um, whether it's Luca De La Torre, who'd be more of an attacking piece. There are various ways that Greg Berhalter can go. And as we saw back in September, not having Weston McKinney hurts the team. They will not mm-hmm. look as good, which as a fan – is very distressing because going back to part A of the question, what are the chances the U.S. MNT misses the World Cup? The answer to that is a lot higher than any of us are comfortable with it being because it's non-zero. Are, it, it is it is a it is a percentage greater than zero, which yes. means that it that leaves us all terrified. Yeah, like even with the math, I feel like it is higher than the math, and it's if you really sit down and look at all the scenarios where this can go sideways and there are a lot of them, it seems realistic that they could get through March and not have be in the top three, whether that's going to Azteca and not getting a point to going to Orlando and Panama, finding a way to steal a tie out of you where then you're having to go to Costa Rica, a place you've never won needing three or needing three points and help. There are a lot of ways this could go badly. And for everyone who has been alive since 10, 10, 17 and knows what exactly what can happen. Like there is no confidence in everything going perfectly according to plan there. There can be none. And remember back in 2017, entering that final match day, there was 27 scenarios that could have happened. And only one left the United States out of the World Cup. That one occurred. Like that, like that was how remote it was to not make the World Cup for the United States. And that's what happened. So knowing that, even though the scenarios feel a little bit more in the United States' favor this time around, 
everyone's still like, Hey, we got to Like, there's still a lot of tension in the fan base because a lot of people don't want to see 2017 rear selling head again. Yeah. I mean, everyone who saw that happen knows that it can happen now. And it was always the thing that you assumed the U S would find a way in like it's CONCACAF. They can find a way into the top three. Well, they found their way out of it. So if they could find their way out of it once, who says they can't do it again? And you've got Panama with some very winnable home games. Um, Costa Rica, I mean, they could have a nine-point window. And then you're looking around being like, oh, shit, the U.S. actually needs to get results. And not having Weston McKinney, having an uncertain goalkeeping situation due to injury, the status of Gio Reyna, there are a lot of ways that can go sideways. Because, um, I mean, right now, and we'll talk about this a lot more. The next podcast we do will be like a World Cup qualifying preview for the March window. We will do that for you guys. Don't you worry. But and in theory, we'll have we'll have at least at least an indication of of who some of these rosters are, right? Because yeah. like again, like there is a long time between now and and you know March twenty fourth when the U.S. takes on Mexico and Azteca, but. As of right now, I think when you said Callan Costa for the Conca calfing, yeah, absolutely. We have like just like we've seen Weston McKinney out of lineup doesn't really work for this team. We've seen Kellen Acosta being Conca Cathy against Mexico absolutely works. We've seen that yeah. on a couple of occasions too. Yeah, but we also saw Kel- saw Kellen Acosta down in Panama not Conca calfing well, and that's the other concern is that the U.S has a must-win game at home in Orlando on the second match day of that window. On the second match day of these three-match windows, the U.S. has zero wins in qualifying. So relying on Greg Berhalter to balance his lineup correctly to make sure that they get a result in that game. Because if they happen to lose that game, Panama is flying by them. Panama is in. So it's a very precarious situation for the U.S., and I'm getting very nervous right now talking about it. So let's move on to the next question. Um, this one comes from Jen, patron, friend of the program, Jen Glicos. Uh, gang, gang. Really, really appreciate the question. Uh, where did it go wrong for Jamaica in this qualifying round? I, that's a great question, and even knowing the question, it takes I, a lot to kind of think about it. So go ahead. Yeah. yeah. If you have, I think I have the answer and that's COVID restrictions. The fact that they could not get their full team into Jamaica for the first couple windows, like they just did not have their full roster and they had done all of this work to put together a team full of mercenaries. These guys who they were with heritage, they played in Europe that they were able to bring them into the program, but they weren't able to bring them into the team because whether that's UK restrictions, these guys in the Premier League can't come over. So you've got these unbalanced lineups of guys who hadn't played together. And whereas some teams who can kind of build around their domestic leagues and have these guys who are playing together and used to each other and have some sort of rhythm, you didn't have any rhythm. You didn't have any consistent lineup. and once it goes sideways, like you're kind of done and they fell too far behind. And there's a lot of bright, there's a bright future for the program, but I, they could not get off and running. I think but, that's the easy answer. And I think what I was thinking about is that that answer has a, lo- a, a couple more layers to it. I think, yes, that part is correct. But the other thing is that their player pool was so weak. They had to go after these mercenaries in the first place. And because they couldn't bring them in, there was nobody behind them, right? Like yeah. the United States, Mexico, Canada, someone goes down, it's next it's next man up. And Jamaica didn't have that. They also had to contend with, uh, I believe it was like early October or whatever that, um, uh, that Andre Blake got hurt in the MLS Cup playoffs. Mm-hmm. And he was out, so he couldn't play. And he's, you know, arguably the best goalkeeper on this side of the world. And I think that also played a part in that too. And like you said, I, I think also the neutralization of the office. Um, so far, I believe we're the, we were lucky enough to be at the only game that had fans yeah. at the office, uh, where, again, the office is uh, next to Azteca and Estadio Nacional as one of the most imposing, intimidating, and difficult venues in all of CONCACAF to play. 
And I think most teams have gotten lucky that they haven't had to face fans there. They haven't had to face a lot of the elements there. And because of that, they were able to treat it like a neutral ground and play, you know, and steal victories and steal points. So it's just difficult. I really love Jamaica's game. I love a lot of their players and always root for them. But it's it's just been a difficult set of circumstances. Also replacing their coach. Once that happened, you kind of knew it was a wrap. Like Whitmore, like lives, eats and breathes Jamaican football. And once he was ousted, it's a wrap. No one, like no one's going to come in and match that energy. Yeah. So tough goat for Jamaica. Jen actually had a second question that we're gonna we're gonna get to here. Um, what was slash is the more expensive, Jurgen Klinsmann's helicopter or Greg Berhalter's shoe collection? Look, I, I love the shoe collection, <laughs> but ain't no way. I don't care how many shoes you got. Ain't no way that's Trump in a helicopter. It just isn't. My man I got mean, a helicopter. But like collectively, like I'm not talking about like the retail price, but maybe like even like including like the street value, like the secondary market price for all of these shoes, like collectively, he it's got to be sick, close to six figures that he's running on right now. Right. Have you seen the secondary market for a helicopter? <laughs> it's more than six figures, man. Goes. <laughs> I'm just saying, depending on how long Burhalter is in power and he keeps he has different shoes for every game. Like, hey, I know he's, uh, he ain't paying for him. Like, yeah, I'd be wearing different shoes every game. They're going to give them to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, also for me, like I'm, I'm a sneakerhead, but the only reason I'm not a true sneakerhead is because I don't have enough space. I mean, I, I don't have space to put new shoes every time a pair of shoes comes in, like another one has to leave. That's just that's just how it works <laughs> in my you know tiny apartment. But. I think for, for Greg, it's great because people kind of focus in. It gives, it gives a little bit of personality to him, right? Like he's not just a coach, like people like kind of get to know something about him. And if, if it's the shoes, it's the shoes. A funny thing is, is like people, like we're at most of the game. So mm-hmm. people have to tell us what kind of shoes he's wearing. Cause we can't really tell from the other side of the stadium. Yeah. U S soccer has been good about tweeting that out as to what he's rocking each game, but yeah, hard to tell from the stands. So thank you, Jen, uh, for the questions and most importantly, the support. She's a patron and we encourage all of you to be patrons as well. Uh, last question from our boy, Marcel Hilly. Shout out, Marcel. Uh, he's got a simple gang, question. Gang. He's got a simple question. Uh, Red Stripe, Soul, or Imperial? Red Stripe, without a question. I mean, I can go with Red Stripe as well. Honestly, because we were in Jamaica recently, as previously mentioned, um, Red Stripe Light had no idea existed. It was very delightful. And I'm happy to say, you know, those buckets they were selling outside the stadium? Mm-hmm. I brought one of those home. I got you brought got the bucket home. The, I got the, the actual fucking bucket. I need I need to home. see. I need you. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want you to bring it into another country, but like. I don't know. Can we can we roll around Orlando uh, you know, <laughs> dealing dealing with SWAT uh, <laughs> with that bucket? We're we're going around the world at Epcot. We're drinking around the world with me carrying a red stripe bucket. Yeah, I will say red stripe also has. I think I've mentioned this on this show before, uh, but they have a red stripe bold, which we were drinking when we were in Antigua and Barbuda. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like seven percent, so it's like ooh, it, it's like a it's like a very it's not heavy though. It feel it tastes light, but all of a sudden you're like, wow, how many of these did I have? And then when someone says you had three buckets, you go, okay, we have a big problem. I should stop drinking all liquids. Um, but yes, it's very, very strong. But shout out Red Stripe. They, hooray beer in it, it, every single facet for every weather. Hooray beer, indeed. Um, we're going to continue this uh, drinking discussion on one more round, which we'll record right after we wrap here. One more round is the patron exclusive podcast that you can kind of get on our Patreon uh, for subscribers only, we will talk about whatever. Feel free to give us topics, but today we're going to talk about some booze and some other soccer stuff. Um, so subscribe and check it out on our Patreon. Thank you for listening. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media at PodcaCaf on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Again, that's P-O-D-C-A-F. Um, you can find us everywhere patreon.com slash podcast and donald you want to tell them where to find you 
Yep. At Blazing DW, Instagram, Twitter, mostly Twitter. Uh, and then also writing over at starsandstripesfc.com. And I know Slate would say that he uh, he would mention that he does a, a Speedway soccer. Uh, mm-hmm. So check him out over there as well. Yes. Um, yeah. So thank you for listening. We appreciate you. We appreciate the Dominican Republic. We appreciate CONCACAF. And we'll see you next time.